like to invite you to turn in your Bibles or your bulletins to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. This is the word of God. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is a spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now Nicodemus said to him, How can this be? How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher, or are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so gracious and so loving and caring that you send your Son, our Lord Jesus, to this world to die on a cross for our salvation, and that you also send the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts to see the truth of the gospel, to believe in Jesus for salvation. We thank you that this is all your work. It is all your glory. It is no our glory, but your glory. And we thank you that in your mercy you have opened this way for us to be with you for eternity. Now as we consider these verses, we pray that you will speak to our hearts, to our souls, and that you will produce new birth in those who are not yet new creatures in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I do have a hard time understanding Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. 
Not so much what Jesus is teaching in these verses, though there are challenges here and there are things that you need to unpack. And as we saw last week, there are things that we don't know for sure what Jesus meant when he said it, as there are various possibilities. Um, and we're left to, to try to decide which one is the one that we think it is the possibility for our understanding of the test. But the challenge is to understand how Jesus is communicating with Nicodemus. I don't think that this is a normal communication. If you will hear, you will be, because this is what we are here doing. We are seated here, hearing Jesus talking with Nicodemus. Um, at least I'm left to wonder, why is not Jesus responding to Nicodemus? Or why is Jesus bringing these things up that Nicodemus is not even asking and then he brings another thing, and another thing, and another thing, and it feels like at the end Nicodemus will be lost in all that Jesus said. And I think the way I understand what's going on here is that Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus' soul. He's going deep into his soul, to the things that are deep in his soul, probably questions that are in his soul, and not to the things that Nicodemus is expressing with his mouth. Nicodemus might be saying something with his mouth when he comes to Jesus, but Jesus is speaking to the heart of the matter, to the heart of Nicodemus. And I think that that's one of the reasons why this passage has been used by God to bring many people to faith in Jesus, because it speaks to the heart of individuals as he has spoken to our hearts, um, and we hope that it will be speaking to the hearts of those who are trying to understand who Jesus is and what his life means, means for them. Now, as we go through the, through the conversation, there are four things that I want us to see together. First is Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Second, Jesus exposes Nicodemus' condition. Third, Jesus confronts Nicodemus' unbelief. And fourth and last, Jesus shares the gospel with Nicodemus. Jesus shares the gospel with Nicodemus. So let us start with Nicodemus coming to Jesus. John tells us that Nicodemus was a Pharisee and that he was a ruler of the Jews. As a Pharisee, for those who are not familiar with that term, he was a teacher of the law of God. He was a doctor in theology in Jesus' time, and he was a person who will teach others the way to be a member of the kingdom of God. But Nicodemus is not just a Pharisee. He's also a ruler of the Jews. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the religious council of Jesus' time. Seventy elders plus the high priest. So Nicodemus had a very important position among the people of Israel. And there is something else that John tells us here that is easy to not see through the test because he's not highlighting that part, but you could see it in verse 10 when Jesus said, are you the teacher of Israel? 
So Jesus is saying that Nicodemus was not just a teacher of Israel, one of the many teachers of Israel, but probably that he was the teacher of Israel, one of the most important teachers of the Jews at that time. He was a prominent figure, an important teacher, the one who should know all the answers for those who were coming to him. Now, this man is coming to Jesus at night, and when he comes to him, he comes because he has heard of Jesus' power, his miracles. He has heard what Jesus has done, and he knows that nobody, none of the 70 elders and none of the other Pharisees that he knows around has been able to do the things, the kind of things that Jesus has done. So he says... This man must be coming from God, and I'm coming to him. We don't know what is Nicodemus' motivation to come to Jesus, but at least we know that he was curious about Jesus' power. He's coming to, to know about this man who has displayed miraculous signs that nobody has ever done before. This is the man that came to Jesus. Nicodemus, the Pharisee, the ruler, the teacher of Israel. Now we have Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus, and we move to the second point, which is Jesus exposes Nicodemus' condition. You see, and there is where you start to see that the conversation is not two ways. Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can enter. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. You may have expect Jesus to say, thank you, Nicodemus. I'm glad that you realized that I came from God. Actually, you are in the right path. If you know that I'm coming from God, you are in the right path to find salvation. No, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't respond to Nicodemus prays because, again, Jesus was looking into Nicodemus' heart, was looking deep into the problem of Nicodemus' life. What is the issue? The issue is that Jesus is going to teach Nicodemus what a person needs to do or to be in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Think about this. Nicodemus had no doubts about that. Nicodemus didn't have doubts that he was or was not in the kingdom of God. He was that teacher of Israel. Therefore, he knew that very well. He knew if he was circumcised, if he was a Jew, and, and his role was to teach others how to enter into the kingdom of God and how to stay as a member of the kingdom of God, of course, he knew what does a person needs to be a member of the kingdom of God. But Jesus surprises Nicodemus with his answer because he's telling him, you know, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. He cannot even see the kingdom of God. I think that that's important as well because when Jesus came, he came to establish his kingdom, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the, king, the sins of the world. He is coming to establish his kingdom on earth. 
and his kingdom was among them with Jesus' presence there. But Nicodemus could not see the kingdom. Nicodemus could not see the kingdom because Nicodemus could not see the king, that Jesus was the king. Then Nicodemus is all confused about Jesus' answer, and he says, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter again into his mother's womb and be born again? And, Nicod- and Jesus continues to expand on, on this understanding of what it means to be a member of the kingdom of God by saying, a person needs to be born of the water and the spirit. And he says something here different to what he said before. Before he says, you need to, to be born in order to see the kingdom of God. Now, you need to be born of the water and the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. He's telling that to the Pharisee, to the ruler of Israel, to the teacher of Israel. In other words, what he's saying is, Nicodemus, you are out. Nicodemus, if you are not born again, you are not even in the kingdom of God. If you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus continues to be confused, and therefore Jesus continues to expose the situation by telling him that what is born of the flesh is flesh. If you were born of your father and mother, you will be just a person who has a soul, but your soul is death because that what is born of the spirit is a spirit. You need to experience spiritual rebirth in order to be alive in the kingdom of God. And how that happened is... If you reverse eight and you summarize it, it's like this, by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing you can do to achieve that. There is nothing you can do in order to be born of the Spirit. Because the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus uses the metaphor of the wind to tell Nicodemus is up to the spirit who comes and you cannot see it coming. It just happens in your heart. But one important thing that he says here is you hear its sound. It is visible. How it is visible. You see the transformation that happens in the person. You see a person coming to Christ and his life transformed. But you don't know how that happened because that happened through the power of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus has done until this moment is he has exposed Nicodemus' condition. His condition is he's out. He's not in the kingdom of God. He is not born again yet. He needs to be born again in order to be a member of the kingdom of God. What's Nicodemus' response? How can these things be? It's still lost. How can these things be? I mean, I've been teaching Israel for so many years. I didn't know this. And we know that there are references in the Bible that is pointing to to this, but he's still lost. And there is where Jesus moves to the third part, which is Jesus confronts Nicodemus' unbelief. That's important because what he is really confronting is no lack of knowledge, but unbelief. 
unbelief. Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Here, this is why this uh, part is important because he's not just one of those who are teaching Israel. He's the teacher of Israel. He's the one who probably was in charge of the school that teach the Israelites how to become, or people even outside, how to become a member of the kingdom of God. And he's saying, and you do not understand these things? You do not understand these things that are Christianity 101, but I would say Kingdom of God 101, the basic stuff in order to be a member of the Kingdom of God. Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness of to what we seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Let me first put this verse in simple words and then deal with a little challenge for some people there, for all of us, I would say. Basically, what Jesus is saying here is, I'm speaking to you something that I know, and I'm bearing witness to something that I have seen because I know this, but you don't receive the testimony. In other words, Jesus is saying the testimony is before you. And what is he talking about? He's talking about new birth. And he's speaking to you that a person needs to be born again in order to be a member of the kingdom of God. And you do not receive this testimony. You do not believe my testimony, even though I'm speaking to you about something that I know and that I have seen. Jesus is saying this to Nicodemus. Your problem, Nicodemus, is unbelief. That's your problem. That is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. But now, I know that some of you might be curious about why Jesus is saying we, we, and we. He's not saying I, I, which has, will have made the verse easier for us to understand. He's not saying I speak of what I know, I bear witness of what I have seen, but you don't believe. But he's talking about we, we, we. And there has been, and there are Several interpretations on why Jesus is saying this. But at least I just want to narrow this to one, which I think is what Jesus is doing here. If you go back to verse 2, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he also says, Rabbi, we come to you. We, we, know, you, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Maybe last week you may have asked that question. I had a person who asked me that question. Who are the we with Nicodemus? Who, who are those who are confessing or at least accepting Jesus as a person that comes from God? Well, most likely Nicodemus is referring to other Pharisees who have seen and heard about Jesus' miracles and then he is um, telling, I am, I, and others are ratifying. We, we, we stamp your ministry. As if Jesus needed Nicodemus and the other Pharisees' validation. And that's 
might be the reason why you see that Jesus doesn't pay attention to Nicodemus' praise. He jumps to speak about the heart of the matter because Jesus didn't need the validation of the Pharisees and Nicodemus in order to do what he was called to do. Therefore, when Jesus speaks back to Nicodemus, he also says, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we've seen, but you don't believe. And who are the we? You could think that are the prophets in the Old Testament up to John the Baptist. And even Jesus' disciples, what Jesus is saying, we all know this. Who are all who know this? All who have seen the work of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. I could ask this question, and I know I'm not asking to raise your hand, but just raise your hand in your mind if you could testify that you have seen the work of God in your life and in the life of others. Of course, we will raise our hands because we'll see how God has worked salvation in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. These are the we, is everyone who has seen the work of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life can join Jesus and say, yes, we testify to you. And yet, Nicodemus, when Jesus said, by you, he's talking plural. This is a you plural from Greek that is saying, you Pharisees still don't believe my testimony. Remember, we are seeing Jesus confronting Nicodemus' unbelief. He says in verse 12, if I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can, I, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? What are the earthly things that Jesus has talked about? Jesus has talked about new birth. You could say, is, is that a, an earthly thing? Yes, it's a heavenly thing because to be born again could be translated as well as to be born from above. It's something that is done by the power of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's an earthly thing because it happens on earth. What is the proof? Again, if you look at verse 8, when Jesus is describing the work of the Spirit, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. How do you hear its sound? You see the people coming to faith. Think about this. More than 2,000 years, we are here, believers in Christ, who died more than 2,000 years ago. Why? Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. We are the sound that is visible of what God has done in our hearts. So Jesus is saying, I cannot tell you deeper things, Nicodemus. You are not getting the basic stuff. I have to stop here because what you need to do first or what needs to happen in you first so that you understand spiritual things is you need to be born again. I cannot continue to talk about deeper things until that happens in your life. And Jesus continues to prove his authority. He says, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descends from heaven, the son of man. You know what Jesus is saying here? I am the word that became flesh. I was with God in eternity, if you go back to John chapter 1, the Word was with God, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. I am the one who was in heaven, and I became flesh, and I came here. 
I have authority, Nicodemus, to tell you about earthly things of the work of the Holy Spirit and heavenly things. But what's Nicodemus' problems and the Pharisees? You still don't believe. It was unbelief. More than being able to understand. There are a lot of things that as Christians we don't understand. In fact, we pray sometimes to God, not knowing how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with unspoken words, yet we trust in Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle. Each one of us who have trusted in Jesus for salvation is a pure miracle from God. Four, and last, Jesus shares the gospel with Nicodemus. You see, Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and you think, man, Nicodemus never thought that he would have had that conversation with Jesus. He was just coming to say, uh, we recognize that you are a teacher from, from God, and maybe I'm going to have an, a nice conversation with Jesus, and maybe Jesus is going to tell me where his power is coming from and how he's going to join us or something like that. But Jesus has exposed Nicodemus' condition. Jesus has confronted Nicodemus' unbelief. Imagine if Nicodemus goes home right now, he would be without the message of hope. But Jesus then goes to share the gospel with Nicodemus. It is not that obvious if this is the first time you encounter this verse, but it is there. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And let's stay there. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus, talking, Jesus is talking about this event in Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9, that I will read for you. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and Moses why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and we loaded this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they beat the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have seen, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you, prayed to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is beaten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made the bronze, made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent beat anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. What is this incident? Is Israel walking in the desert, and because of their unbelief, they got desperate about their situation, and they actually got tired of eating manna, the bread that God was providing for them. They wanted something more in their menu, and, and they started to complain against God, who have provided the manna, who have taken them from the slavery in Egypt, and who was protecting them all the way, and complain about Moses as well, who is God's messenger. And God uh, disciplined his people by sending, 
serpents who will beat them until, and die until they realize what they have done. They ask God forgiveness through Moses. And the instruction that God gave to Moses is to, to set a fiery serpent, a serpent, a bronze serpent on a pole. And everyone who will see the serpent will be healed from the poison of the snakes. That's the story. And remember, Nicodemus is that teacher. He is a Pharisee. He is a ruler of Israel. So he knew the story very well. But he didn't know this part. He says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You know what Jesus is doing here? He's saying to Nicodemus, that story is about me. This story and this situation that happened in the Old Testament is about Jesus, the Son of Man, who will come and who will be lifted up on a cross so that everyone who will believe will look at him and believe in him will be healed from the poison of sin. Therefore have eternal life. One difference between the story of the Old Testament and Jesus' fulfillment is that the Israelites who were healed from the poison died anyway. Right? But what we have here is that whoever believes in him may have eternal life, will never die. Because you will have life in eternity with Christ. What did Jesus do here? He shared the good news with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, I cannot talk to you about heavenly things. You are not getting the earthly things. Therefore, this is what you need to do. Here is what you need to, this is what you need to know. Believe in the Son of Man and you will be saved. And now when that happens, let's talk about some other things. Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus is an example of what the gospel does in every individual. What I have done in all of us who are believers and what can do in a person who is hearing the gospel. First of all, exposes the condition of the person. Exposes that we are broken, that God is creator of everything that exists, and yet we have disobeyed God. And in our disobedience, we are condemned. Because to disobey God means eternal condemnation. It poses the reality of Humanity, that we are human beings in the world without Christ, are all death in their sins and trespasses. But it also does the same thing that Nicodemus did with Jesus. It confronts the unbelief and belief of people. Everybody believes in something. And the gospel confronts that belief system with the truth system which is revealed by God. It confronts the unbelief because it challenges people with the fact that unless you trust in Jesus, you are not saved. But there are no various ways to be saved. There is only one way, which is through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
But also it presents the good news. It presents the reality that if you trust in Jesus, you will have life with Christ forever. Eternal life. That's what the gospel does. That the story of Nicodemus and Jesus is a story of the gospel to all of us. Therefore, if you are a believer, this should move us to praise Jesus and praise God for all he has done for us. But if you are yet to believe, Jesus is saying to you, I die on the cross. If you believe in me, you will have eternal life. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are gracious and merciful with people like us. Um, we did not come to you, but you came to us. You, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, opened the eyes of our hearts to see the truth of the gospel. And therefore, today we believe because of what you have done. We also pray, Lord, for our friends who are hearing this wonderful news, who are confronted with their condition and their own belief. We pray that you may send the Holy Spirit to their lives, to their hearts, so that they might also believe and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to partake together of the Lord's Supper. Every time we come together we, to partake together of the Lord's Supper, we do it in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. We remember what Christ did on the cross, that when he went to die on the cross, he died for us, that he took our place, and that he received the wrath of God on our place. And if we trust in Jesus for salvation, in our union with Christ, we receive the benefits of being saved by grace through the power of Christ. We remember his resurrection that remind us of our new life in Christ, that we are new creatures in Christ because of what Christ did on the cross, but also because he came back from the death. We remember his death and his resurrection, and we announce his second coming. We, we are here looking forward to that moment when we will be with Christ forever. Sometimes we get so distracted either by the pleasures of this world or by the afflictions of this world that we forget that there is something better. I would say, I, can, I cannot even use the word better. That is something good, perfect, awaiting for us when our Lord Jesus Christ will come. Who is invited to partake of the Lord's Supper? Anyone who has trusted in Jesus for salvation and has been baptized is welcome to take these elements by faith. Because if, if you are not yet a Christian, I encourage you not to take these elements as they pass by you. But use this time to meditate in what you have just heard, the good news of salvation, the gospel, that Christ took flesh and died on the cross to save you and give you eternal life. Let me pray for these elements and we will read the words of institution and the elements will be distributed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. 
to give us eternal life. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to uh, give us regeneration, new birth, and, and be able to see that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is our Savior. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave your life on the cross for us, and we thank you for your love and compassion for us. We pray that you uh, prepare our hearts as we partake together of these elements. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.